Hey, 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 kingdom citizens. This is your girl, C.L. Suz. I pray you all had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Spent time with your family. Spent time with your friends, fellowship. And to just begin to just love on one another. I will not keep you long. I will just want to just kind of go on what we've been talking about in the next episode of no other name but Jesus alone. No other name but Jesus alone. And I'm coming out of Matthew chapter 3. What do we know about John the Baptist? Right? So many say different things and theologians say so many different things in regards to John the Baptist. But what do we really know about John the Baptist? For one, we know that he was a forerunner for Christ. He was the cousin of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible declared, even Jesus out of his own mouth said, there was none greater than John. Let me ask you a question. What fivefold ministry did he possess? John the Baptist, to me, was more like an evangelist. And one thing I noticed about this evangelist, he didn't just stay subject to the five walls. He was a church without walls because the Bible said that he was preaching in the wilderness. He began his favorite message was repent. The Greek word for repent is metanoiaeo, which means to change the mind that results in a change of conduct. Because a lot of times people say they change, but there's no behavior behind that change. Repentance is not merely sorry or sorrow. Sorry is not the same as forgiveness. When we repent, it involves a complete change of attitude regarding God and sin. God will always show up when we least expect him to, when the odds seems more against us than ever, when the obstacles look too large. When we change our mind, God said, I will change the situation. And out of, excuse me, nowhere, God will suddenly turn it around. But we must first turn around if we want him to turn the situation around. It's never our feeble efforts. It is always simply and genuinely the goodness of our God. We as the body of believers, that statement, repent for ye, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was one of John's favorite messages that he spoke throughout eternity till the day he left this earth. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the time is nigh. That should be our cry for the lost. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, change your life. Change your life while you have the blood yet still running warm in your veins. The kingdom of God is here. His message was necessary to prepare the people for the kingdom of heaven, which was and was and is at hand. The phrase is kingdom of heaven. It, it was only used in the book of Matthew. Even Matthew had to craft his words carefully because he understood. If not, they won't call me a visible saying that God calling God. So he began to say kingdom of heaven. 
As I mentioned on last week, we see a bridge even in chapter 3 of the old prophet saying to what is here to come now. Verse 4 says, And it came to pass that John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his lawns, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Leather belt. We we know that in Ephesians 6 to 14, it talks about the, the armor that we should put on. And it's funny how in the book of Matthew, it talks about what John, John the Baptist was prepared with. In other words, it was letting us know that John the Baptist was standing firm despite of any task or opposition. He was standing with the gird, the, his lions girded with truth. Because Lord knows we need truth in this very hour. The first area of life which the enemy frequently attempts to rattle in our sense of a, is our sense of identity. You have to know who you are. If we don't deal or begin to deal with life and and what we know to be true we can never defeat the enemy because he covered with all his lies and all his schemes his ministry john the baptist ministry was received with great enthusiasm even in his early stage why because people knew when he spoke he had meaning behind why he was speaking Many would have looked at his appearance with the camel hair and and all the stuff. They said he had wild hair, camel's hair. He was out in the wilderness preaching and teaching about people. Many in our modern day would have looked at his appearance and turned away. But because they knew nothing, they knew something. And the things that he was preaching was already spoken beforehand. That's why they received him. Because now he's preaching and teaching with power. Confessing their sin because Jesus has now arrived. It's time for y'all to confess. He was like, you know, repent. Jesus is on the scene. We need to repent. He, even though it was a, he was a baby at some point, but we must change our lives so he we can be available when he need us to be available. It's evident that those who really want, who don't really want anything, even even John the Baptist, he began to say, talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he said, they came to his baptism and he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? It's evident that those who don't really want anything but come to expect everything, vipers, snakes, who warn you? Because now the word about John the Baptist has got around. It was to the wrong people who wasn't ready for change. They wasn't ready for change. John was basically telling them, do you think a little water on your snake skin is going to make any difference? Similar to the people who don't want to get saved or commit their ways, but just want the baptism of Jesus to make it all right. No, this is a two-way street. You have to give up something for God to impart something. You have to give it up. Die daily to this this, this world. Die daily to self. Give your life to God. Be born again and and change. Then get baptized. 
Because if not, we're going to see what we've been seeing all this time. People going down a dry center and coming up a wet center. You don't want to change. You're not seeking change. You don't even want to fulfill the change that God needs to happen in your life. A change must take place. John was clearly rebuking them at the baptism. Where is the evidence of your fruit? Where is the evidence of your fruit? They were trusting in their physical descent for salvation rather than trusting in God. Even having the audacity to say Abraham was the father of them. But God God said, favorite, Abraham can be the father of many. But Jesus got to be the father for you to enter and, and the son, accepted son, for you to get into the kingdom. It doesn't matter who you're kin to because a lot of times people think, oh, I'm kin to this one. I'm okay. Or oh, my grandma prayed for me. I'm all right. My granddad prayed pray for me. I, I'm good. I, but see, there's a come a time that you have to do it. Those days of just by like what the Pharisees and Sadducees were saying. Are we Abraham's father? father Abraham, we, that doesn't matter in this time and age. And when you was a child, you might was covered under your grandmother's prayers and your grandfather's prayers. But guess what? Now that you're of age, you're supposed to do it. It doesn't matter who you can to in the church. But are you being the church? John the Baptist said, your meat need to be fruits of repentance. He said, now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not fruit, good fruit, is hung down and cast into the fire. So fruits of repentance. Your hearts have to be changed. That's the lifeline of the tree. The axe was the word of God. It must be cut. It's going to cut us down and it trim us back to be more like Christ. Can we do a self-examination on ourselves to see if our tree is green and blossoming? Or what does your tree look like? Who is who is reaping benefits from your fruit tree? Because if it's fruitless, it's going into the fire. If Jesus said, I can come down here and I don't see anything that you're doing, it's going into the fire. You're not productive. You're not, you're not uh, showing any type of results. Kingdom results, not earthly. Because we can do a lot of earthly things. But kingdom results is what matters. Verse 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So basically, John was saying, briefly telling us here, there's a difference in the baptism and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See, a lot of us have been baptized with water, but some of us have not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's why we don't know how to interpret the things of God righteously, because we don't really fully understand who the Holy Ghost is. You still calling him a it. You still calling him something. You still calling him out of his name. And he said, I'm here to reveal all things to you. But you missing it. You missing it. People are still missing it. And the enemy has come to distract a lot of people. And he come to abort a lot of missions because he got people now want to research who God is instead of re- listen to the Holy Spirit reveal who God is. 
I was just talking to a lot of young guy the other day and he was telling me and it was so so funny because I've just recently studied on the three wise men and he said the wise men won't really mean they was this and he showed me something on his phone which was a brain the hypothalamus and the get him and, and all these parts of the brain and I just looked at him and, and I heard Holy Ghost tell me he said ask him where who sent them to find the star and so I said well who sent them who sent the wise men and he said huh uh, he couldn't even answer me he said if y'all do your research you'll see that they I said no Holy Spirit don't have to do any research Holy Spirit don't have to google anything Holy Spirit knows all things He's a revealer of all things. He speak kingdom when we don't even know how to speak kingdom. Even in the midst of when we begin to speak in our unknown tongues, he interpreted to the father the mysteries that need to be spoken. And people are missing the mysteries of God. Even to the place that he began to say, well, Bible is basic instruction, leaving earth. But the, don't forget the holy part. Not only are we supposed to live holy, and be ye holy as he is holy. But that also, also in, in acronyms that he only left you basic instructions before leaving earth. So my thing is, if they're so basic instruction, why are we still having a hard time following them? It's easy to quote stuff. It's easy to get in our mind about things. But I'm telling you, the enemy come to shift this young generation like wheat. And if we don't pray and intercede in a gap for them, they're going to be another lost generation. Serving the enemy when they're thinking they're serving God. That's just like Jezebel. Controlling spirit. I, I, you do so much stuff in the church and of the church and you're not, up, you're not being the church. Basically, what John was saying, even in verse 11, Matthew 3 and 11, he said, look, I can turn your old life for the kingdom life, but Jesus had to ignite the kingdom life in you with fire. I can't do that. Holy God, Holy Spirit that will change us inside out. Only this, the Holy Spirit can live in us and tell us about ourselves and ask God to repent from what he don't like. Clean every, every hidden part. Because you know some hidden parts that we don't like to discuss and we don't like for other people to tell us about. Them hidden attitudes, that hidden manipulation, that hidden stuff. People that try to make you feel bad for not being there when they wasn't even there for you. They don't even have a clue what went on with your life. Never call you, never seek out to find out, are you okay? And then they come with their little shenanigans of foolery is what I call it. Please examine yourself. Look at the whole matter. Not part of it. And then they come with their subliminal messages to try to make you feel shame for something that they didn't even want you to be a part of anyway. Take heed enemy and all his cunning devices everything false God will pull it out with the he, he gonna pour it out with the trash to be burned everything false everything wicked everything that's not of him he's gonna burn it with the trash 
The verse 12 began to tell us that whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the gardener, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's fan back then was referring to a wooden shovel used for tossing grain into the wind or in order to blow away the light chaff. Some may call it the winnowed. W-I-N-N-O-W-I-N-G, winnowing. Its basically was a fan, shovel, tossing the grain and wind, blow away the lighter stuff, and leave the good grain to settle in a pile. But an unquenchable fire is eternal fire, the lake of fire, where no man will going to be able to return from. Time out for the games. It's time for us to grow up, be about our father's business, and stop with all the manipulative games. That trivial stuff is not going to get us nowhere in life. But somewhere in a corner crying because people didn't do what you said they're going to do. Come on. that that's That's getting old now. Verse 14 said, John was basically talking to Jesus, and when he was talking to he's 13, then come Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and come aside to me. John understood he needed no repentance. Jesus didn't need no repentance of sin. He was pure. He was genuine. And John felt unworthy of this opportunity. Just like some of us, we feel unworthy. God, you chose me. God, you put favor upon me. God, you called me. You know, John felt unworthy of this opportunity. And Jesus was like, suffer to be so. John, allow it to be or let it happen. Basically what he's saying, suffer to be so. is basically allow it to be or let it happen. Jesus was saying, let's follow protocol. I am no better. Or I am no higher than the ones I came to redeem. The same way I need for them to do this, I have to do it. Jesus always met the duties of a faithful Jew. And he understood that this was already spoken. This was the oracle. So let's do it, John. And let's get it done with. Because it's already been spoken. I have to do the same thing. My word, God said my word will not return unto him void. So if God spoke it and Jesus had to be baptized, I have to do it. I got to do the same thing y'all have to do. Sixteen says, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. John believed it was Jesus, but now he know it is Jesus. I believe it was Jesus. But when that, that right there happened, I know it is him. This is, and God said, This is my son whom I delight and love. If anyone was confused, now they were assured and confirmed that this is the Messiah. The dove was a symbolic symbol of innocent impurity. Ideally, it was a representation of the Holy Spirit. The voice from heaven given his verbal approval of the ministry of Jesus. We don't read about the Trinity in the Bible and the Godhead. 
But the Godhead was represented in these two scriptures. The Father speaks, the Spirit descends, and the Son is baptized. If you ever were confused about God, this is him right here showing. And the same way he showed about his son, Jesus, he's also showing about us, his children, his sons and daughters of the kingdom. Because you love me and you keep my commandment, I'm going to approve and I'm going to stamp you with a seal of approval to let people know that you are mine. And I am for you and I am all. And whoever is against you is against me. People better be careful in this very hour because God is coming for those who speak in negative. He said, I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. Especially when a man or woman of God is walking upright before the Father. Because when God speaks on your behalf, you're well spoken of. Well, God show you favor. It's unmerited favor. Uncommon. Unprecedented favor that he's going to prove who he is in your life. And in this season, I feel it so strong in my spirit that in this season and in this time, God is getting ready to prove who is really for him and who is against him. Some people say they're for God until flesh start acting up. And then you realize they won't really for God. Because if you're really for God, you will, put, you will yield to the spirit of the living God rather than that flesh. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't want to take heed to what he's saying. We grieve Holy Spirit when we don't abide by him. We grieve Holy Spirit when he's telling us to go one way and we're still going our own way. We grieve him. When he give us unctions that we shouldn't do something or say something. And then we still do it anyway. Because this is what I want to do. And the first thing we say, well, I know. And then we find out when stuff ain't going like we want it to go. Is it still, I know? Or God, why have I got myself into? What have I got myself into? What have I done? You... you with assurance, I don't want to know anything. I want to know have a God-given ability to know, Father, is this what you will have me to do? Is this what you will have me to do? Is this where you will have me to go? Because sometimes we put our own self in bondages by self-inflicting wounds because we don't want to hear what Holy Spirit has to say. Take heed. Take heed. Warning comes for destruction. And I promise you, there is no other name but Jesus alone that can do the things that he do, activate the way he need to activate, and allow us to pursue what we need to pursue. Trust him. Take him at his word. All right, this is your girl, C.L. Subs. Peace and love.